situation with Israel and, and the world itself, our country. You've got elections coming up within a couple weeks that are going to be some major, major issues on there that will shape well, that will shape not only this state, but there's some national issues going on that just, friend, we're, we're not in good shape. Amen? Things are not copacetic. And they can make us feel uncomfortable outside of our, quote, comfort zone. But as I talked about this, we've talked about the blindness of the world and what that produces and what that covers. This week, as we talked about the world, I want to talk about the blindness as far as the believer is concerned, there are a lot of believers who walk in a blindness through their understanding of Christ and their Lord and Savior. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't work. It, 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 it produces something that is, how should I put, almost like a separated kind of an understanding. Well, I'm, I'm going to get into this. Let me just all... I'll make this, I'll shape this, I'll walk it through it with us, because as I as I look at the last couple weeks here with you as your pastor, this is one of the most important things I can share with you. If you can grab this, if you can understand this, I can tell you it will change your life as it has never been changed before. And I don't say that lightly, casually, there's a lot behind what I'm saying there, that, that, that I'm sharing with you this morning. So as we get into this and we talk about this, let's start, if we will, with that first verse, that, that area that Paul reveals, and he doesn't say anywhere else, but he says here as he's talking to King Agrippa, he says, I will deliver you, this is what God has told him, and he's sharing his testimony, that God has told him that I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That is some huge scripture there. But again, the understanding is if that your eyes are not open, according to Scripture, then they're closed, which the Bible refers to as blindness. So if your eyes are shut and you're blind, you are in a profound darkness. I'm not going to go into what we shared last week. If you weren't here last week, that's available for you online. You can pick that up, but trust me, what happens in profound darkness is a mess. We see it in the world today. So I want to get into this because it's from blindness to open their eyes, which means there is hope in a hopeless world. It's that simple. There is hope in a hopeless world. No matter what you're facing, looking at, walking in, what's coming down around you, whether it be in your own personal life, with the life with, with uh, around you in region or state or now whatever might be coming down the way it's working it's ridiculous what's taking place I can tell you that there is hope in a hopeless world my my blindness friend can be healed and the darkness can give way to light and I can see true reality. I can have my eyes open. I don't care who we are, where we come from. Our eyes can be open. So in announcing the gospel, that's where eyes begin to open. When the gospel is announced, that's where our eyes begin to open. So the question I'll put out in that sense is, how do you pronounce the gospel? I want to share something with you this morning, and, and, and I've told you sort of a little bit here and there, but whatever I do here this morning, whatever you hear right away, please, please, please promise me that you won't take one word out of this and leave the rest behind. Listen to the whole thing. Listen to what's being said. 
announcing the gospel, folks, does not begin with the incarnation. It doesn't begin with the life of Jesus. It doesn't begin with his sufferings or his bloodshedding or the cross or his burial. That by itself will never, ever change anything. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like we come to Christmas and the birth of the baby and we get, uh, you know, it's, it's just, really? That don't change anything. Do you realize, and I want you to think about it for a second, that very few people actually knew of his birth. There weren't that many. Most of the people who even hung around him for about 30 years thought he was a, a, a peasant carpenter. Even, even in his ministry, he would ask people, what? Who do people say that I am? And the answer pretty much was, well, we don't, we don't really have a clue. Peter caught the revelation of Christ, but the others, not so much. They were just bathing in what he was doing, and, and as a result, they, they didn't understand a thing about what he was doing. <laughs> Boy, there's, a, there's an hour's worth of teaching just on that thought. Those who would torture and murder him, they didn't have a clue as to what they were doing. In fact, you remember what the Scripture says, that if they had known, they would have never done it. It was that they were blind. And, and, when I come, listen very carefully, when I come to the book of Acts, it's extremely interesting to me. They didn't begin with any of that. They didn't begin with Jesus is Jesus' ministry here on the earth, his sufferings, his life. They didn't begin with any of that. The gospel that changed everything was the resurrection of Jesus. You grab that. And that's where in the gospel they began. When you get into us, where they begin is they begin with the resurrection. Listen, they, they didn't say, Jesus died for me. I mean, really, what does that mean? Honestly, if, if you're saying Jesus died for you to a person that's in darkness, Jesus, I mean, come on, get, let's, let's, it doesn't change anything. Jesus died for you. There is no meaning to his death. It is the biggest despair. It is the biggest failure. He dies on the cross. That's not the gospel. It's the resurrection that changes how I understand all of that. And the resurrection then investigates his life and says, now I know who he was. Because he rose again. There's an understanding. There's a reality that begins to break through. And then I can hear him. He's the incarnate son of God. But until the resurrection, none of that means a thing. The resurrection. The resurrection. Say it with me. The resurrection. No, it's not Easter. No, it's not Resurrection Sunday. I'm talking about the now, the resurrection, the gospel. We just sang it a minute ago, simple kingdom, right? We tell, we tell it backwards. You start at the end. He rose again, and you go backwards because it is the end that is key to everything. Truthfully, the one part of Christianity that has been twisted and distorted is the resurrection. I mean, for instance, I mean, you come to that weekend and it's all about resurrection Sunday, but we call it what? Easter. And I know that you know the name Easter is that of the pagan goddess Easter, or, or 
Astra, I'm sorry, that, that in the Old Testament, you know, you're dealing with Baal and, and Astra. It, it's been called Easter, Ishtar, Astra. And, and then one of the greatest <laughs> literacies of Astra, this demon goddess, their, their greatest thing in order to get children, right, was a rabbit. And a rabbit that laid magical eggs. Where does that come from? It came directly out of the pagan goddesses of Europe. And, and it was brought over here by the German immigrants who brought their European goddesses with them. Resurrection? I, you know, what's, what's sad is that there is no kid who grows up in church that thinks resurrection is Jesus rising from the dead. To them, it's a rabbit and Easter eggs. I mean, I hate to say this, but I go back to my kid days and when we had the big Sunday school campaigns and there's a big contest around this special Sunday. And as a result, if we brought the, be the most visitors, we'd get that big, solid chocolate Easter rabbit that's sitting up on there for us to be. We were motivated to bring kids to church for a chocolate Easter bunny. Can somebody get excited about this? Us kids had no idea it was about Jesus. Oh, that was a sidebar. Yeah, it's about it. But it's a chocolate Easter bunny I want. I'll say it. I'll get in trouble. But to me, it's the way the enemy uses demonic tricks. So, okay, I'm done with that one. Okay, I'm off the soapbox. But let me say this again. There is no gospel except for the resurrection. No gospel except for the resurrection. Have you ever noticed how hard people study these subjects and, and weep over them and, and sentimentalize over them? And I, and I was one of them. I Trust me. And then he died. And we hardly even celebrate his resurrection. We have all these outdoor plays of people carrying crosses, blood hanging all over them. We have the cantatas that, you know, uh, sing all these different things about his suffering. Crucify him, crucify him. And we get all whipped up into shape and, and, and about his suffering and about his death. And then, and then at the end for two seconds, and oh yeah, he rises from the dead. We've just sat through 70 minutes of pain and suffering and horror and crucifixion. And then we got two minutes of, oh yeah, he's, he rose from the dead. You follow what I'm saying so far? You don't, you don't like it. I understand that. That's okay. But hang on. Don't just take one thing out of it and not the other. Look at this whole thing. Because I want you to listen to a convicted pastor. And that is that there is only one gospel. And that is he rose from the dead. That's the gospel. Now, now I understand his sufferings. Hello. If he rose from the dead, it, it certainly was not what it looked like. You see, I'll say this again because as believers we have a tendency to get stuck in a place where, where we, have, we have worship of an earthly man versus a risen Savior. We don't know how to worship a risen Savior who is alive and what he is right now to us, who he is right to now to us. We think of what he did on earth, we think about the miracles and the healing, and we want that to happen today and the power and this, that, and everything. But we don't even grasp the risenness of Jesus and what that means in our lives and who we are right now or who he is in our lives right now. In fact, the resurrection changed the very nature of sin. You ask the average Christian what is sin. <laughs> They'll tell you, well, you know, you break the Ten Commandments, you're doomed and gloomed and that's the Old Testament. That, that's Old Covenant. 
is old law. That's old law. Jesus redefined sin. He said the Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin. He, he, he didn't stop there. As a matter of fact, take a look at John 16 here. It says, and when he has come, Jesus is telling them about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. They believe in some earthly, well, I'll skip him sin. I just, let me just say this right up front. Sin is not breaking the Ten Commandments. There's one thing I hope to leave with you. It's the reality that sin is not an action. It's a what? Hello. And, and that reality that I'm talking about is Jesus didn't deal with sin. He dealt with our condition. And when he dealt with it, it says it, that his own words is that it is finished. And as a result, he rose from the dead. The resurrection is the receipt of finished work. Resurrection is the receipt of his finished work. Period. Oh, he did it. Do, do, do we grab that? He finished it. Now, please hear this. I'm saying this. I, I, I hope it's making you think. I really hope that what you're doing this morning is reevaluating and deep reevaluations. Peter will even say to you at some point in your life, you need to gird up the loins of your mind to rethink what you've been rethinking. And understand, look, look, I'm saying this. You cannot stand in the suffering, or I should say the sufferings of Christ and try and believe. Uh-uh. You cannot stand in the sufferings of Christ and try and believe. It's when I meet with Jesus who is alive and can actually communicate with me then through the Holy Spirit. That's when my blindness is healed. That's when my eyes are open. Oh, hello, somebody. Most, because mm, mm, this thing drives me nuts with a lot of believers because they, they, they get into all this other stuff and they don't hear what he's saying to them. They're, 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 their ears to hear are like, where's the Q-tips, my friend? They need unplugged. There's no eyes opened if all I've got is something that's based on his sufferings and death and what a wonderful person he was. That's where most believers have a that's what kind of a relationship they, they have a relationship with a historical Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? A historical Jesus. They remember all the events. They remember all the things that he's done. But they have no clue to who he is now. Who? And if he's alive, that means that he's here. What's he like? What is he all about? What's he saying? What's he doing? How's he leading? All these different things. And it becomes just, no, we're, st mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're, we're stuck. We're, we're stuck worshiping. Who is he now? Look, so many, I find, unfortunately, remain in their darkness, trying to keep or, or do their religious understanding. The Pharisees were good at that, right? Pharisees did all. They kept every rule, and they even added to it to make sure that if they added to it, they wouldn't break the one that they were trying to kill. Well, it's a long story, but notice what Jesus said in John 9 there. He said, for judgment I came into this world. <laughs> I like this. So that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. 
those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We are not blind too, are we? (laughs) Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, this is blameless. You're still in darkness, Jesus said to them. You're still in blindness. It's it's because you believe that what you are doing causes you to see and what you're actually doing is causing you to remain in darkness. What you believe that you are doing, you believe is causing you to see, but in actuality, it's causing you to remain in darkness. Take a little deeper breath. Take a good deep breath. It's the resurrection. It's the resurrection. Let let me ask you a question. What makes the new covenant new? The new covenant is, is, is not the law on steroids, right? There's no mixture of old and and new that are here. What, I should say, and all that the old can do is point to Jesus. But point with a hopelessness. Because it doesn't know how to get there. Look, the, the new is so other than the old. It's why when the Pharisees and others listened to Jesus... They didn't understand him. They didn't have a clue. They looked at his miracles and they couldn't define it. Didn't make any sense. They looked at the cross and said, finally, man, that's over. That's that's the end of him. We're not going to hear from him anymore. Only when Jesus rose from the dead, everything changed. Prior to that, nothing had changed. Look Look at verse 23 there in chapter 26 of Acts that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Paul's preaching here. He's saying we don't live by the Ten Commandments. We don't live by his sufferings. We don't live even by his death. It says, by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he's the first to proclaim the light. The light? Okay, Isaiah 49 there. Take a look at it. It says, I will also make you a light to the nation so so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Light. It's not the suffering that brings light, but the unspeakable message that that one who embraced our darkness, who embraced our death, rose from the dead, and in so doing brought light that overcame, that was bigger than the darkness. Does anybody get that? Look, look at Isaiah 42. I I mean, the Father is speaking to Jesus here. He says, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nation, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I'm sending you to open eyes, blind eyes. That's that's what Jesus came to do. Okay, look at... Look at chapter 60. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Whoo! Yeah! At least three of you are getting it. That's good. 
light, 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 light. While you're watching, everybody say light. <laughs> Healed from blindness. Opened eyes. Opened eyes. Light. And that light was the resurrection. Do you understand? Through the resurrection, we realize that. He is God incarnate. We realize that is God, that little baby right there. We, we realize what it means. There's an understanding there. In other words, and what I'm saying is that through the resurrection, we understand. Through, we understand his sufferings. We understand his death. They, they have meaning. They have purpose. Romans chapter 1. Take, take a look at it. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets. In the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God, now watch this, with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. They didn't think like that when he was making doors and tables, okay? If he did happen to mention it, they'd say, who do you think you are? See, him hanging on the cross, you say, he's the son of God? <laughs> really? I can understand someone in the darkness laughing at him and saying, you know, if you are the son of God, then go ahead and come on down, boy. No. No one could believe it. No one could even understand. Darkness. Blindness. The resurrection. And then he comes out of the having which and this is what resurrection means, okay? He came out of the tomb and resurrection, listen to me very carefully. He reversed death. Do you grab that? He reversed death. Do you understand me when I say to you this is more powerful than even creation? Creation well, was calling forth life out of nothing. Resurrection is reversing death. And calling forth life out of everything that was anti-life. Do, do you grab that? It's the greatest event that has ever, ever taken place. Resurrection. Whew. Don't mean much to you, does it? It's just another historical fact that comes to mind. reality of knowing who Christ is is based on the fact that he is alive and can tell us share with us speak with us live in us with us I live yet not I we don't know what it is for Christ to live in us we just simply look forward to the fact that we will someday get to heaven which is not why we are here Jesus came to bring us to the there is an understanding that changes our lives completely. But because we remain in darkness, we've created an image of God so that we can hang on to what we have because it's our purpose. We can explain, excuse, or even reject what we need to because it doesn't all fit because we're creating it in our own image, what fits our understanding. So that when Jesus came out of the tomb, having reversed death to the reality of those who believe on him changes everything. One day, I'm going to have a serious health condition 
called lack of breath. We all know what that produces. When we all get to heaven, what a, I'm looking forward to that, but not right now. But I have no fear. I don't fear disease. I don't fear sickness. I'm not holding myself up to any certain level. I'm just trying to share with you what a relationship with him who is alive looks like to a degree. I'm not perfect. I'm not even close. But I'm here to tell you, my eyes have been healed. I am no longer blind. He has opened my eyes, and he brings along with that understanding. The greatest event. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead. And behold, love that phrase. Literally means, look, man, will you look? Behold, I am alive forevermore. I am alive forevermore. I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. In other words, he is the beginning, he's all the in-between, and he's the ending. All at the same moment. He is the source of life. It says death and Hades. Usually it's hell. But let me give you the understanding here. Hades, broken down. Hey, literally means negative. And these means eyes. You negative eyes. It means blindness, drowning in darkness is what it means. It means blindness, drowning in darkness. He holds the keys to negative eyes. Hello. Oh, there's so much more. Man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm right now, I just want to break into heaven and, and hell being parking lots. And there's more to it. You know, it's like we're going to spend eternity in heaven. No. There's other places. He's, there's, there's more to it. Hell is just a parking lot where people are being held. There's a big day of judgment coming down the road, folks. There's a lot of other things. But my point is right now, who is he now in our lives, our relationship? Look, he went inside our darkness. He didn't try to fix things from the outside like we try to do. He went into our darkness, our deepest blindness, and he is the light. That's resurrection. He who is the light came inside of our darkness, came inside of our blindness. He stepped into the pit of our sin, and he forgave us. He released us. And taking, uh, entering into our humanity, it was his passport into death. You grab that. Only creatures die. God doesn't die. God didn't come down pretending to be man because God doesn't die. Only creatures die. 
So how does God get into our depths? How does God get into our darkness? He has to become one of us. Born of a woman. It's a passport. He's inside. He has the keys to death and Hades. Look, the the name of Jesus has been to the pit of darkness and death and every name connected with darkness and death is terrified of the name of Jesus. That at that name every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm sorry if we're getting a little excited about it, but I, I want you to grab this. The greatest event ever. And so that you can know and understand, Ephesians says, what is the, I'm reading this from the Amplified, by the way, so this is the Amplified. What is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness, right? Say that with me. Surpassing greatness of his power. Say that word with me. Power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. The word we're looking at is power. But the Holy Spirit adds surpassing. Surpassing means, if I was to demonstrate this um, the easiest way I know how, because it's what I've kind of stuck to over the years, if, if I was to have you stand at the back door and I had a ball in my hand, I see a ball. You know, can, can you imagine that? Ball's alive. Good. And I take the ball and I toss it. You could have caught it on the hop if you just bent. You know what I mean? I mean somebody wake Mike up, would you? I to- that, that's okay. That's 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 one thing. If I t- but if I had Mike standing in front of the Bean and Bakery in downtown Ravenna, and I took the ball and threw it to him, that's surpassing. That's a mind-blowing. It goes beyond all mind comprehension. And, and, and understand, power, it means infinite ability. But then, again, add that to surpassing to it. It goes beyond mind comprehension. This unlimited, infinite ability. And then he says in that last part, it energizes the power, the strength of his might, his mighty strength. He raised him from the, look, uh, look at that last part, 20. It says, which he exerted, yeah, working in him his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Ah, Look, he reversed death, period. He rose. He reversed it and then was the life of it. I am pronounced not guilty. I am brought into the covenant family of God. I've been placed into that family and I have the receipt. He rose from the dead. Yeah, give him praise. I know he rose from the dead because within me, Mr. Aliveness, he witnesses to me that it is so. The law never did that. But when this happened, 
open blindness to to see the light. And 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 what's the first thing that blinded eyes when they are healed, when eyes are open, what's the first thing they see? They see the finished work of salvation. The gospel, the goodness of great joy at the birth of Jesus. They've been saved. Otherwise, a little baby laying in some manger doesn't get me excited, right? Another baby. I have four of my own. If I had known then what I know now, maybe I'm getting <laughs> going there. I'm going to stop while I've got breath. Okay. But, but I'm saying, you know, he brings light. Now I see the incarnation. Now I see the earthly ministry of Christ. Now I see his suffering. Now I understand why they were all against him. Now I understand the cross and the crucifixion and everything that's around it. Now I understand why he died. I see like I've never seen before. And I live as a result in the alightness of who he is. Hmm. Because if he rises from the dead, it means that he conquered that which began in him. And the day that you eat thereof, you shall die. Jesus would enter into the death of Gethsemane. It's there because of sin. What is sin? Separation. Our condition of being born into a in, in, into into this world is that we were born separated from God. That's the result of the fall of man in the day that they eat thereof. And Jesus entered into that, yet he didn't enter into it born of man. He was born of woman. So he is born without sin. Okay? Most people think that when they hear that he's born without sin think that he was born without doing anything wrong, that he was Mr. Perfect. No. How many know you can have great kids and they can still frustrate you to no end? Only four of you. That's not bad. That's not. No, what I'm saying is he was born without sin. He was born not separated from his father, but joined to his father. You get that? His father and him were one, so that he will live hearing what his father says, and he'll say, doing what his father is doing, and he does. There is no separation. Un well, that's an understatement. He chose. What began then? Jesus enters into that death. Look, he would enter into that death. He'd enter into the darkness, right? That, that blindness and separation and bring, no, let me change that. He would be light. He would enter into it and be light. So my eyes are open now. Look, blindness is healed. I see. And as I see, I remember. And as I remember, I know who I am. I am who he says I am. I am who he says I am. I am. Mm, I am who the I am says I am. Say that one with me. I am who the I am says I am. Try it again. I am who the I am says I am. Come on, you can do this because you're going to be singing it in about a week or so. I am who the I am says I am. 
I am who the I am says I am. I am more than a conqueror through him who has loved me. I have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. By I'm sorry, I'm going to. I promised I'd get you out of here early. Why? Because I want you to like me when I'm done here. hear what he says to you now? It's not what I'm saying. It's what the Spirit bears witness in what you're hearing right now. He says, you go now and open up the seal. You open the door to the seal. You go now. You do what he is doing. He saved us. He opened our eyes. He healed our blindness. We just, we don't, we don't, here's the reason most people don't even bother sharing Christ is because they don't know Christ. They know historical facts. You try and win somebody to a relationship of historical facts, how's that work for you? Jesus died for you. That's how much he loves you. Hey, he died for you. That's wonderful, but what does that look like to a person who's walking in darkness? Horrible. Jesus died for me. That's horrible. I don't want nobody dying for me. But here's what I'm saying. The reality is, listen, he died for you. And then he said, I'm going to die really for you. Let me share with you what that's all about. Let, let, Let me begin to tell you what Jesus rising from the dead means for you and for me. It changes everything. Listen, instead of praying over your kids, oh, Lord, save them. Save my children. Pray, Lord, lift up my eyes. Lead my steps. Let them see. Oh, It's time to be a partner with the Holy Spirit to open their eyes. What I fear the most in the church today is nothing short of the blind leading the blind. Blindness to see. And out of that blindness influencers where the enemy is able to impact and twist and turn and pervert instead of knowing what it means to be led as we talked about last week how we're led by the spirit as a result listen we are sent into darkness with an appointment I mean, when you get a chance, I won't go to it now, but just read Matthew 18 sometime. Take a look at it sometime, especially around verse 18. Take a look at it. You are sent into darkness. He says, all authority has been given to me. Well, guess what? Can you not authority? No! Authority lives in you. We are sent with him. He's authority. We are workers together with Christ. Hello. We are, mm, it's another message and it can get into 25 messages here. I'm trying to tell you, please hear me in your relationship with a now risen Savior. You are the light of the world. He in you and you in him are the light of the world. Oh. Let me let me just finish with this verse. Two verses. I've done them before, but I'm waiting on some of you notes. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling 
riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? If we come out of the sacrifice, come out of the cross, the riches of the glory of his inheritance. I don't enjoy it. I don't understand it. I don't share it strongly. And I pray that the saints, the believers, and what is the surpassing, surpassing, just mind-blowing greatness of his talking about some mental thought. I'm talking about a risen Christ and what that means, who he is now, how he operates now, how he works, that he works all things together, his love towards us. get down sometimes I'll tell anybody this ship won't get down of course I got down of course I got struggled of course I made mistakes of course but guess what my 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 my, my how do I put it my relationship my under my eyes what what is the light that's not me and it stops like this. Mm, mm, mm. Somebody needs to go back and let's take a look at Colossians again. But I'm here to tell you that in his aliveness, it changes me. And I don't try to walk in it. stand with me and I hope you'll remember that when I ask you to stand give me just 20 more minutes please Father thank you for your word and for speaking into our hearts and lives now my prayer is that you will now guide us and direct us in all truth and we know that you have prayed this together there are those that are in this place whose relationship with you has been more on a knowledge base than an experience or a relationship. But the only Jesus they're aware of is the one who walked this earth and did the miracles he did and Jesus who rose from the dead once he ascended we have no more understanding oh we're, we're thankful because we, we, we know that that yeah because he's alive I'm alive hallelujah we're not really alive because we don't know how to live so I pray Lord open Heal blinded eyes. 
let limitations fall. Let the expectancy rise. Because there's fear. That they're trying to believe, and so they're going to act on it. On some word that they're going to say. Because this isn't some positive This is a realization. We are joined, made one spirit together. And there's an understanding of what that then means. And Lord, I pray. Don't let it just stop here. You task us today with going out and opening up. We don't open eyes by trying to describe some earthly Jesus. We open eyes with the gospel, which is the resurrection. And that life in Lord, heal the blindness. With my people who are called by my name, here this morning who's yours you've not walked in a relationship with Christ oh you've been aware of him yeah I mean that's why you're here right maybe you're just trying to be nice to somebody and you came along with them for the ride maybe they promised you vengeance you're hungry I can tell you that but the truth is something's stirring in you look I'm not here to convince you of anything. I'm here to declare to you that as he is risen, his spirit convicts of unbelief. I've walked believing in something other than the Lord Jesus. I've walked believing in me. I've walked believing in this. I've walked believing in that, but from the dead it changes everything but that's the Holy Spirit that's working in us if you're here this morning his words are simple you believe upon him that the Father raised him from the dead and you'll be saved it's simply believing we confess our sins our unrighteousness, and He heals us. He redeems us. What does that mean? Your condition, because He rose from the dead, has changed. When when you respond to Him, and His Spirit unites with you, guess what? You know what this is? It's called relationship. It's simply responding to Responding to his love for you. Right now, he's in your darkness. Right now, he's in your lostness. And he's the light. He's the light that's shining. Can't necessarily comprehend it all, can't grasp it all, but you know it's there. That light of your darkness. Repeated prayer save anybody? No. That was the case. This prayer that I lead you in is something I believe is in your heart because as a result, I'm asking you to pray it with me. Would you pray it with me, Jesus? Thank you for loving me. 
Jesus, I stand here forgiven. Grace is sufficient. You meet me in my darkness and you bring me into light. Thank you for loving me and healing my blindness and for coming into my life and my life in yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep it simple. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, oh, look at that. I still got at least three minutes. Uh, just kidding. Here's what I want to do. I want to open these altars up for these specific requests. A, if you just prayed that prayer from your heart, you've responded to his love, we want to pray for you. But here's the second thing. Maybe God's dealing with you where your life has been. If you're justifying your life up here, and yet in here you know something's off, this is the time for you. My prayer is that our eyes of understanding be open. Look, Paul didn't pray that for unbelievers. He prayed it for believers. He said, yeah, you've come to Christ, but guess what? There's a whole lot more now. There's a whole lot more that's waiting for you to understand and for you to see. So my prayer is, since I heard of your faith and your love for one another, that your eyes of understanding be open. And that you would be filled and all this other stuff and with revelation of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's saying there's more. And he's saying to you this morning, there's more. As we come to a risen Savior, He changes everything. So believers... Our eyes need healing. We need to step out of something called darkness and blindness into a light that we've never really fully grabbed hold of and allow that light to take us where we have never, ever been before. I want to finish it by saying this. It's sad when the blind lead the blind. How can you possibly lead those around you and those that you love to the light when you're not even seeing the light? When you're walking around in something historical, all you can do is lead them to something historical and hope that it works. But if your eyes are open and you see and you start at that resurrection. And, and yeah, you've got all this other stuff that you understand, but now this, this risen Lord and Savior, there, there's something that's there that you can express and share like you've never shared God before because God is so alive. And, and, and when you grab hold to pray for somebody, you're not making them feel awkward. You know, you know, if a Pharisee came up to you, right, walking towards you, what would they do in biblical days? They'd cross the street to get away from them because they cringe. That's what a lot of people do because we're doing it out of something that is not light, that is not in resurrection. So, Lord, open my eyes like they've never been opened. I want to see. I want you to teach me. Holy Spirit, bear witness with my spirit. Let me see that understand it. Let me walk in the newness of your glory and what you're doing within me as you live in me and I live in you and what that brings together and how that works. And all of a sudden things begin to change and I'm not throwing a ball to some door back there. It's with surpassing greatness and power that my mind gets renewed. How many know that God has more in store for you? It's time that our eyes are open and we go and open eyes for people in the name of Jesus. That's it. That's all. I'm asking you this morning, let's find that place of prayer. Let's 
go after him this morning. Let's make that simpleness of prayer as he speaks into our hearts and our lives this morning. Your kingdom is humble as humble 